Hello friends, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. For those of you tuning in for the very first time, my name is Jeff Lyle. I'm blessed and happy that you are um, listening today. Mavericks and Misfits is a podcast, been going on for a couple of years now. Today I think is episode 156. And um, really it's just a podcast meant to speak to things of the heart, things of the kingdom, theological things sometimes, oftentimes just uh, debatable issues in the kingdom and helping us think through what we believe. So much of the church in our generation is rooted in emotions and feelings and experience. And whereas I, I love to feel my faith, I love to feel the presence of the Lord. I love encounter. <laughs> I like Holy Spirit encounter. I'm a word and spirit guy. Um, but I have learned this over the years that my feelings are not always trustworthy. Um, my experiences, supernatural sensations of the movement of God, or at least times where I thought it was God and then find out later that might've been my flesh. Um, those are not always reliable. And so I love to approach the Christian life with what I call green lights and guardrails. Uh, guardrails um, help me to stay on the right path, and that is guardrails that come from objective biblical truth. What does the Bible say? Because anything that I experience that is out of alignment with the inspired Word of God, that experience is false, and so I have to understand, um, I guess, the, the lens through which all of my experiences must be judged, and that is the guardrails of the Word of God. And within those guardrails, I want green lights. What does that mean? I want to fly with the Spirit. I want to soar with the Spirit. I want to have the fire of God on me. I want the kavod, the weight of the glory of God, um, to touch my life. And so I'm not just some Bible bookworm. You shouldn't be either. Nor am I some kind of, you know, just untethered, supernatural, flighty person good night alive. We need apostolic doctrine, the word of God, and we need the Holy Spirit. And if you're just um, leaning out of balance towards one or the other, I invite you to be a, a frequent listener to this podcast because um, I like to stretch people on both sides of the aisles. And so if you are primarily a word person who doesn't have an appetite for the things of the spirit, or you're skeptical about the things of the Holy Spirit, I hope you'll keep tuning in. Um, and if you are a Holy Spirit person that makes the fatal error of believing that theology and doctrine quench the Holy Spirit, then you don't understand the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the author of all doctrine and theology in the scriptures. And so we don't have to choose between our Bible and the Holy Spirit. We get to do both in Mavericks and Misfits. Um, really appeals to that group of people who want to have both the power of the Holy Spirit and the stability of the Word of God. And when you're pursuing a Word and Spirit ap approach to the kingdom, you'll, you'll end up being seen as a maverick because you will question things that... Um, you know, people that are bought into a system aren't allowed to question and you're not bought into a system. You're just saying, Hey, what's true. <laughs> I want to know what's true, not what's systematized, not what is denominationally mandated, but what is true. And, um, then if you are a person of the spirit, you will definitely be seen as a maverick because, um, you're going to do some things and experience some things sometimes that religion will frown upon. 
And when you are a maverick long enough, you will find yourself a misfit. But I always encourage the misfits. Don't send yourself flowers. Don't pat yourself on the head. Don't throw a pity party because you don't quite fit in. No, go ahead and operate according to the spirit and according to the truth and make a difference in churches. Like all the misfits run and take their ball and go home sometimes. And how in the world are we going to bring reformation to the American church if all the people who buck the system end up abandoning the system? Like I don't have any kind of value for people that can stand on the sidelines and continually say this is what's wrong with the churches in America and they don't do anything to help. So I boldly say you're kind of cowardly and you're probably a professional critic and you need to get back on the field, get into the game, suit up and take your hits and let's score some touchdowns together because you're needed. And um, the enemy likes to sideline a bunch of people through discouragement and through superior attitudes. And um, I've met so many religiously spirited people who just think because they see things and it's not that they don't see things, it's that they don't properly handle what they see. They see what's wrong with the church, so they quit. And that is not the call of God on our lives. Jesus has never quit on the church and he sees way more that's wrong with it than you and I do. So listen, continue in your pursuit of truth and spirit and uh, continue to expect to be a maverick and a misfit. Um, for those of you that listen all the time, we're glad you're back today. Hey, let, let me do something. I'm going to risk something here. Lord Jesus, help me because this is not my gift, but I'm especially you Gen Xers. I'm a Gen Xer, but even those of you that are younger, maybe a little older might recognize what you're about to hear. Let me see if I can do this. that is of course you know what that is go ahead and say the word what's the name of that song that iconic whistle intro from axel Rhodes, and i think 1986 or 87 that of course is the intro to the song patience that rock ballad by one of my favorite bands back in the 80s and the early 90s guns and roses and no please don't send me religious emails i'm not endorsing the group i'm just saying you know that whistle tune why would i bother to put that on a podcast because i want to speak to this issue of patience today um, a lot of people that I'm meeting right now are struggling with God's timing. And I'm not talking about immature Christians. I'm not talking about people that are, you know, flimsy and kind of wishy-washy. I'm talking about like some solid believers that have already been proven in other seasons um, that they know how to follow the Lord and trust the Lord, but they're struggling with the timing of God right now. And I'm going to tell you most of the, I'd say probably upwards of 90% of the time that either I or a person I'm talking with is struggling with the timing of God. It's because because we feel like he's not moving quickly enough. We tend to believe that the Lord um, is behind when we're struggling with his timing. Um, there may be the occasions where we feel like God's going too fast, but my own experience and the experience of most of the people that I speak with um, on this issue are saying, man, when is God going to do something? He's stretching me out. I feel like he's leaving me hanging. I know he's good. And, and you know, I know I'm not supposed to murmur or complain, but God, I need you to do something. And this is such a common experience for uh, people in all levels of faith. 
And so what, what do we make of this thing? Let me give you a couple of things. This is not like a sermonic thing. I don't even have any notes as I'm talking to you this morning. So I'm just being your brother right now. But I, my guess is that some of you right now, probably most of you have something in your life that you kind of just wish God would go ahead and take care of for you. And he's not. And sometimes, you know, when it's not a colossal issue, you, you know, you can live with, you know, maybe God not moving at the pace that you wish he would. But, but sometimes, man, it's like a big thing and you see the deadline. You, you're like, oh no, if he doesn't move in this amount of time, you know, what are going to be the consequences? What am I going to be dealing with? And um, it is not uncommon. It doesn't make us bad Christians. It just proves that we are in process and our trust muscle is not yet fully developed. And I, by nature, um, especially um, as an early, a brand new Christian, um, I was pretty impatient. Um, I, I like moving. I don't like standing still. I like getting things done. I like seeing things begin, but I mostly like seeing things get completed. I love it. I'm a finisher. I'm not much of an initiator. I, I don't really have a whole lot of creative uh, start from scratch initiation um, gifting in my life. But usually I can, I, I can go into something that's not quite what it should be, or maybe it's broken, or maybe it's stalled. And I can usually step into a, a, a thing like that in the kingdom and, and bring some amount of help. And I love to take something that's broken or stalled or, you know, sidelined and bring it into its fullness. And I love it when you can look at it and say, oh, we did it. It's finished. And so I'm typically geared in the natural to be in a hurry. Some of you are too. And, you know, there's, there's, it's fine to want to see great things done for the Lord, but when impatience becomes a, a part of your character, um, then what happens is it streams off into several tributaries and it can be nasty. What am I talking about? Well, if you're impatient and you're not dealing with it, it's going to eventually, you know, you're going to have this tributary of frustration. You're going to be mad because things aren't going the way you wanted them to go at the speed you wanted them to go. So in your core, you're impatient, but it, it, it flows into um, frustration. Um, sometimes when we're impatient, it's because we're impatient with people. You know, if people would get out of my way, I could do X, Y, and Z. And so if you're impatient with people, it's not going to simply be frustration, but it can be resentment. Like you can resent people that are not, um, well, let's just say they're getting in your way, they're slowing things down, and they're making things more difficult. Um, oftentimes we're impatient just with the fact that we're in a hurry. I mean, let me just confess a sin to you. Can I do that? All right, let me do this. Cause I know none of you ever struggle with this, but this is actually something that like I get frequently convicted over when I am driving. Um, do you ever like when you're, you've got to get to point B, you just left point A, you've got to get to point B and you're driving and you know what you hate to have happen or let me, it's my sin. Let me confess it. I hate it when a big truck, a big, slow moving commercial truck, it's carrying gravel or it's carrying heavy equipment or it's a landscaping truck or it's a delivery truck and they get right in front of me and you know they're always going to go about eight to 10 miles under the speed limit because they're big. And not only are they big, they're ugly. 
Those big commercial trucks are dirty and ugly and gray and clanky. And now one has gotten in front of me and I'm trying to go the speed limit, which is 55 on 211 heading into Antioch Outpost where I serve. And I've got a truck going 38 miles an hour in front of me and I'm going to be behind it. There's no passing area and I'm stuck behind it. Do you know what happens to me? I'm confessing my sins. I get frustrated. Isn't that silly? Like while I'm sitting here in my office in a comfortable place and I'm talking into a microphone right now, it seems so silly. But when I'm in the moment, there is something inside of me that says, how dare this driver of this commercial vehicle wake up that morning and purposefully run to his vehicle so he can get it in front of Jeff Weil and slow him down to keep him from uh, you know, fulfilling all that he wants to do. It's so self-centered, guys, because that driver wasn't thinking about me. He doesn't care about me. He's just driving his truck. But there's something within the impatient soul that takes offense and takes it personally that somebody had the audacity to get in their way and slow them down. Now, I'm I'm grateful to confess that sin because I know not a single one of you ever struggle with that kind of thing. But, you know, I do. And so what what do we do about that? Well, first of all, you got to diagnose it you got to realize that it's actually um, a lack of trust because when I am slowed down by circumstances, by other people, by, you know, waiting on timelines that are beyond my control, when I am forced to slow down and it breeds within me all of the fruits of impatient uh, impatience, that, that frustration, that resentment, sometimes even anger. um, What I'm actually saying is this, God, I don't like the way you are orchestrating things in my life. I think you're doing something wrong. I want to go at the speed that I want to go. I want to get to where I want to get when I want to get there. And God, I'm not happy with the way you have blocked my path by allowing this truck or this person or this circumstance to get in my way. Ultimately, impatience, it can be summed up. This is the way that God sees it. It's us saying, I don't like how you're working things in my life. You should do a better job. Now, how's that? how does that land with you? Because that is ultimately what it is. Because let me tell you something. God is outside of time. He is not in a hurry. He actually knows the outcome before the thing even begins. He knows the end from the beginning. He's not wrestling. He's not anxious. He's not wringing his hands. He's not worried if he's going to come through or not. He's working all things together for my good, including the truck that's in front of me, including the person that's dragging their feet, including the long lines wherever I might have to wait. God is actually working everything to my good. And God expects me and you to align ourselves in peace and trust when the frustrating delays and barriers start appearing in our lives. Now, a truck in front of you on a road is not that big of a deal. But what about the bigger things in life? What about when the doctor gives you X amount of time to live? What about when an impossible payment is due and you just don't have the resources, nor do you see where they're going to come from? 
What about a project deadline and you just don't feel like you have the resources to get it done at work and it may potentially cost you your job? What do we do when impatience is not just some annoyance in traffic, but it's actually a big deal? Well, the one thing that I've learned over the years is that my God owns the clocks and the calendars. And I'm not in control of time. Like, to be quite honest, you're really not in full control of much of anything. That's why the justified are called to live by faith. And faith necessarily requires patience. Why? Because faith says, I'm believing for something that has not manifested yet. And even living by faith, because some of you have very strong faith, like you're not wondering if God is going to come through, but you are tempted to wonder how and when God is going to come through. And some of the people that struggle most with the issue of being patient are people that have strong faith because we believe in the kind of the microwave faith uh, equation, meaning if I have genuine faith now, then the object of my faith or what I am faithing towards is going to come to pass. There should be nothing that should inhibit it. If I have true faith, then my healing should come right now. If I have true faith, then my breakthrough should have already arrived. If I have true faith, then I'm going to have every resource the moment I have faith. And what we fail to do is we fail to recognize that God often builds your faith and your patience by making you wait. How do you ever master patience? And by the way, there's lots of Bible about the issue of patience. Um, We are commanded in Romans 12, 12 to be patient in testings. We're commanded to be patient. We're we're commanded not to grow weary in well-doing, not to give up in order that we might reap. We are commanded in Romans 8, 25, that to, to, to live in a hope towards that which we cannot see and to wait for it with patience. Now we go all over the new Testament. You've got Ephesians chapter four, verse two, it says we're to operate with one another with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. That means I'm supposed to be patient towards you. Do you know why that's commanded? Do you know why you're commanded to be patient with people? Cause some people get on your nerves. Some people are annoying. Some people bother us. And when we're bothered and when we're annoyed and when we're impatient with people, guess what? We're not being like Jesus. And God's ultimate goal is not for us to get quickly to what we want to get to. God's ultimate goal is to make us like Jesus. And he looks down from heaven sometimes and he he looks at you, the listener of the podcast and says, oh, you know, I love her. She's my precious daughter, but she's not very patient at all. I need to build her patience. So how does God do that for you, sister? God puts things in your life that provoke your impatience. And so when you are able to register, oh, I am impatient, you've diagnosed yourself. And until you diagnose yourself, you're never going to win the battle. 
And so when you diagnose yourself as an impatient Christian, an impatient person, then you can appeal to heaven and say, oh God, I see in your word that you require of me to live in a level of patience that I do not have with people that I do not have with circumstances. And you actually confess to the Lord the sin of your impatience. Go ahead and call it what it is. Because if God commands us to be patient with circumstances and people, and we're not patient with circumstances and people, that's disobedience. You're not a prisoner of your impatience. You can actually overcome it. But in order to overcome it, you have to see it and you can't see it if God doesn't constantly put things in your pathway to reveal to you, you're an impatient person. Man, I am preaching to me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I have grown immensely in this area. But listen, there are moments, like I just confessed to you, where like I, I was patient when I had cancer. Um, I, 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 I know how to be patient in things that are clearly out of my control, but I just confess to you, I'm not patient when a big, you know, Barrow County dump truck gets in front of me on 211 and makes me go slow. So what does God do? He keeps putting the dump trucks in front of me. Like, what am I to do with that? Well, the reason why I keep getting the dump trucks in front of me is because God says, Jeff, you still haven't mastered patience on 211. All right, so enough of me confessing my sins. So what about that that person, that type of person you're not patient with? Because God says we're to bear with those people in patience. Um, sometimes we're impatient with God. That's why the psalmist wrote in Psalm 37 and verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently before him. Wait patiently before the Lord. Why? Because he's in control of your clock and your calendar. And so the more he makes you wait, the more you are to wait in front of him, before him, in his presence. Some of the reasons why God slows us down is because if he didn't, we would never do anything other than a, a drive-by, hi, how are you, God? Good to talk to you today. I've got to go and do things. And so the Lord's like, oh, man, I'm not getting time with my son like I used to. I'm not getting time with my boy. And so I'm just going to throw up some roadblocks that are going to force him to stand still and wait. And I hope that as he's waiting, he'll start looking at me instead of looking at the thing that he wants to do. Hello. Be patient before the Lord. Be still before him. Be patient for him. What about being patient in our family? Do you remember what 1 Corinthians 13 said? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is patient and kind. Wow. So one of the things that God wants you to master is in your life group, whether you're married or you've got children or you're living at home with your parents. Let's just start at the family. Like if I really love Amy, then I'm going to be patient with her. Why do we need to be patient with our spouses? Well, I'm going to break some news to all of you, especially you single people that think that you're going to marry somebody that's going to complete you. By the way, that is nonsense. Your spouse will not completely complete you. What God is going to do with your spouse in, in the midst of all the great and glorious things that come along with marriage. And I thank God for my wife. Like I'm, they ain't a single woman on the planet that can do for me what Amy Lyle does for me. I'm not interested in any other woman. I thank God for her, but Amy does not complete me. Jesus completes me. I do not complete Amy. I could not live with the pressure of having to complete Amy. But what marriage does, it doesn't complete you. It actually exposes the areas where you're not complete. 
no more or more than any other relationship that you will ever have in life marriage will consistently expose to you the areas where you're incomplete and because your spouse is incomplete god says oh you love your spouse oh yeah i love him lord He's my sweetie pie. He's my husband. He's my soulmate. God says, good, because he's incomplete and he's broken in some places. And I'm going to make you more like Jesus by loving him in patience. Same thing to the dudes with the wives. A lot of spouses try to fix each other, go into marriage. And it's funny because a lot of women go into marriage and they say, well, I'm, I'm going to change him. I, I know this. He's, I'm just going to be able to change him. And he's going to be exactly what I want one day. I'm going to change my husband. He's going to change. And there's a lot of things about that husband that never change. And then the men, husbands go into a marriage thinking, I got the perfect woman. She'll never change. <laughs> and then she does multiple times, sometimes like 15 times in one day. <laughs> you know, she'll be changing. And dude is left with his head spinning and reeling. And God says, do you love her? And the husband says, yeah, I love her. And, and God says, good, because love is patient. And so instead of getting frustrated, instead of getting nagging to our spouses, ladies, instead of trying to fix what's wrong, then um, what we do is we have to accept a certain level of incompleteness. And we have to be patient because we made a lifelong vow and we're going to ride it out until the end. And over time, as husbands and wives become both more like Jesus, then that patience pays off. But until then, your spouse is being sanctified. Your parents are being sanctified. Your children are being sanctified. They're not done yet. Therefore, you will always have to be patient if you're going to operate in love. You know, we've got some Proverbs on patience. Let me give you one. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Being slow to anger is another way of saying you're going to be patient in very intense situations. There's, you know, Flying off the handle is not a fruit of the Spirit. You, you may have all the truth, you may have all the right, but you're going to intentionally be deposited by God in circumstances, relationships, and forums where you're going to be provoked to be impatient and hot and angry flying off the handle and a patient person does not do that. So what about God's timing? When's he going to fix all this stuff? So everything's going to go according to your schedule because you've got it figured out, right? You, you know, when things ought to happen, you know, the best timeline. I mean, God should hire you as a consultant to tell him how and when he ought to get things done, right? I'm being a little tongue in cheek there, but, but our impatience actually communicates that when we're frustrated with God's timing, it, it, it manifests that we have a, an, a pride issue. We think we know better than God. And when God is moving more slowly than we wish he would move, it provokes impatience. So what, what is the remedy? Like, how do I get inoculated from impatience? Well, ultimately, I have to believe two things. The first thing I need to believe is that God is good. He's good. It means everything he's doing and allowing in my life is actually for good. The thing itself may be hard, but the product of that hard thing will eventually be 
good. So I, I have to believe that when God, I'll just say it this way, when God seems to be moving slowly, too slow for my comfort zone, he's a good father. And so therefore the pace that he is setting is good for me. And then the second, excuse me, the second thing I need to remember is that he's wise. He's good and he's wise. And those two things are in full force in how he's operating in your life right now. He's too wise to let you prematurely receive what it is that you're eager to receive. And I do believe that most of the time, it's not the devil that is withholding or, or elongating the duration that we have to wait um, for the blessing or the breakthrough to come. Sometimes it is the enemy. Sometimes it is. And that's a you know a classic scenario for warfare and intercession and fasting and praying and breaking down whatever hinders and binding and loosing. You know, that that's fine. But sometimes people are, are saying the devil is is prolonging this thing. And if you'd slow down, you might hear the Lord say, It's not the devil, it's me. And, but we're conditioned to think that if it doesn't come easily and immediately, it's the devil. And sometimes it's actually not. It's the Lord. And the Lord says, oh, you are asking and believing for something really good. I love that you are believing and trusting me for this. But if I give it to you right now, you're actually not ready to handle it. So, my precious child. And my wisdom, and because I'm good, and I'm working all things together for your ultimate good, I'm going to make you wait. Now, the question when that moment crystallizes for us and we realize, oh, God's making me wait. This is a revelation of where you are in your faith. Do you have faith in him or do you have faith in faith? In other words, I want it. I believe for it. It's mine. Where is it? That may be faith in faith. That may be that you're just saying, I've got a formula here. I just believe for something. I press the magic button of fasting and praying and believing and declaring and decreeing. And that thing's going to land in my hand. That's the way it works. Well, that's faith in a formula. That's not faith in God. Because ultimately, God wants me and you to be able to say, oh, the Lord is making me wait. I didn't see that coming. You know, I'm going to have to readjust. I'm going to have to realign. I'm going to have to submit. I'm going to have to go to a new level of trust that says in his wisdom and his goodness, he's saying not yet, but I'm not going to quit believing for that thing. I'm not going to quit praying for that thing. I'm going to still myself before the Lord and wait patiently for him. You know, Peter told us that a day with the Lord, a thousand years with the Lord is like one day. And that little statement right there lets me know, don't hold God hostage to your understanding of appropriate timelines. A, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day to the Lord. What that simply says, that's a poetic way of saying that the Lord's not trapped in time like me and you. But he ministers to us as people that are locked into time and space and limitations. And so when the Lord allows time to be a factor in what he's doing in our life, he's calling you to trust him with that. Some of you are single and you're like, man, I should have been married five years ago. The clock is ticking. I'm just going to pick one. Don't do that because God's preparing that person or God's making you wait because you're not ready yet. And it's not a judgment thing. It's a wisdom thing. It's a good thing 
The Lord will not prematurely give you something that you can't steward properly. And maybe it's the other person that he's preparing and he's just saying, hey, look, I've got a great spouse for you, but I need you to wait because I'm working on her or I'm working on him. And guys, you know, the scenarios are endless. I'm giving you principles here. I'm not trying to answer every scenario. I'm giving you something to think through, something to maybe work through in your soul and something hopefully that you can turn around and say to the Lord, Lord, I'm just going to go ahead and confess I can be very impatient. And Lord, I'm learning today that my impatience is actually a signal that I don't trust you like I thought I did. And so Lord, help me to have my heart weaned from demand, on-demand Godship from you. And help me, Lord, not only to trust you with the what, but to trust you with the when. Because I want to glorify you. I want to bring you honor. I want to bring pleasure to your immeasurable heart. And when you look at me, your child, I want you to be able to look at me and say, that's my daughter. That's my son. They trust my timing. So guys, that's a lot to think about today. And I hope that it's helped some of you. It may, um, at the very least, I hope it's equipped you to maybe take a different view of what you might be waiting on and to go ahead and crucify impatience and, um, Hey, man, if you get full and final victory over that, hit me up at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Because if you get full and final victory over it, I want to know what that special sauce is. Because I'm in process in it, and most of you are too. And um, just don't ever quit the process. Let the Lord continue to lead you. As I leave today, let me leave something with you. I very rare, matter of fact, I've never done this before, what I'm about to do. I've got a pastor in Kenya, and he is in a rural area. And he is um, in need of plumbing. He actually hit me up, and I've known him for over 10 years. I've been with him in Africa. And he hit me up, and he said, uh, Pastor, we, um, we have a deep need uh, here in my village uh, for a latrine and for plumbing and for new water supplies. And, um, you know, he's, he's a humble man, but they don't have anything over there. They, they really don't. And so what I told him is I would try to raise the $5,000 that's needed to supply that. And guys, um, you know, I just, no pressure whatsoever. But if you want to help with this, I'm going to direct you to um, transformingtruth.org. That is transformingtruth.org. There's a donations page there. And on that donations page, there is a, an opportunity for you to select missions. And pretty much all the missions that we do ends up in East Africa. We do do some other things in other places. But right now, I'm just going to be completely candid. The funding has been really low since about February. And I don't have the extra ministry resources to supply what they need there. And uh, Pastor Sos Peter is a friend and a man of God. And he needs our help. And so if the Lord moves on your heart, you would like to help me supply that plumbing and what he called the latrine. Um, and I don't want to go into details, but you know, you can imagine what it's like when you don't have a place to go to the bathroom that has running water and you got a family of six. It's not good. And so we can help him with that. And so if you're interested in helping, go to transformingtruth.org and make your tax deductible donation, select missions and every dime will go towards that need. I'm hoping that even, um, you know, just by this podcast, we can raise that money and send it his way. 
All right, guys, we'll drop a new episode of Mavericks and Misfits next week, and we'll talk to you then. We're happy you were able to tune in today. You can help us reach more people by rating and reviewing Mavericks and Misfits on whatever platform you use to listen to today's podcast. Connect with Jeff on his personal and ministry social media links by visiting transformingtruth.org. Also, feel free to email Jeff with comments or questions at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I'll say it again, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. We will talk to you again next week.